The quality of your preparation for the term ahead can make a real difference, not just on the first day, but all through the coming months. The most obvious thing you will want to do is to prepare your classroom. Now, it is not always possible due to issues like last-minute cleaning by the school's custodial staff, renovations or refurbishments, or building policies. However, if possible, it can be of great benefit to have spent time in your room before school starts. It will give you time to really make it yours. More to come in just a moment. This is Steve Hiles welcoming you to Episode 79 of the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about preparing the classroom prior to the first day of school. But before we continue, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Brand new teachers, student teachers, teachers re-entering the classroom after an extended absence. Are you interested in jump-starting your classroom management capabilities? If so, I can help. Gain the confidence, the skills you'll need to crush it on day one and beyond by enrolling in the Teacher Rockstar Academy course today. To enroll, simply go to TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. That's TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. This course includes email support, coaching, and super cool bonuses, a money-back guarantee, and much, much more. Okay, let's dive right in. I suggest that you gain access to your classroom at least three to four days prior to your having to officially report for work. The point here is to give yourself sufficient time to organize, arrange, and even decorate your classroom without feeling pressured. Also, you will want to organize procedures for such things as issuing textbooks and the necessary forms that will go home with students on that very first day. It has been my experience that when you officially report for work, your time will be spent at district workshops or building in-service classes. Administrators do not always recognize teachers' needs to spend time in the physical classroom. You will actually have very little time to devote to your classroom preparations once you are officially on the clock. Now, I want to add something to this. If you are going to a different school, okay, you're teaching at a brand new school, I would back that up probably every bit of at least a week or so if you can to prepare your classroom. Now, if you're going back to your original classroom, I would say three to four days at least would be uh, uh, prudent. Okay, at any rate, preparing the classroom. Take a seat in your teacher's chair and look around you. What do you see? That first impression when you sit down for the first time at your desk can provide some really important insights. How do you feel about the room? Does it feel comfortable, welcoming, and even friendly? Or is it sterile or forbidden somehow? Do you have enough light? Is there a window and does it open? What do you see outside the room? How far from the door are you? Will your students go past you as they enter and exit? Is there enough space? Can you shift your desk or reconfigure the students' seating in ways that will improve the atmosphere in the room? Circumstances vary from school to school, especially in the upper grades. You may not have the classroom exclusively and may be forced to move to other rooms. However, in most American elementary schools, teachers are assigned a classroom for a year at a time or more. Science, industrial arts, and vocational programs often use the same classroom for many years. Your classroom becomes your home away from home. You can put your unique stamp on it. It will subtly reflect your personality and preferences, 
whether you are conscious of your influence on a room or not. Before the school year begins, I urge you to take the opportunity to try to make the space as comfortable and functional for your teaching as you can. After all, you're going to be spending almost as many hours in your classroom as you will be at home. Let's discuss parents and teachers. Whenever you get your class roster or other information from the administration about the students who will be in your class, you will want to track down their families so that you can be in touch throughout the year. Some schools will supply teachers with contact information for parents. Other schools will neglect this, but you may be able to request it. If you cannot obtain current information about the parents, you will want to collect it whenever they come to the campus. Keep a copy of the roster in your desk and write down phone numbers, emails, and physical addresses as you acquire them. If a student's home situation becomes really puzzling, you can even go on the internet and search for the parents' contact information. Once you have the information you need to contact them directly, try to build a relationship with each child's parents. Knowing more about the child's home circumstances can provide crucial insights into the student's achievement levels, classroom behaviors, attendance, and general attitude towards school. Let me offer a tip. Call home. This next idea is one I feel that is very, very important, one that I have done since my first year of teaching. I personally call every single parent of every child in my class within the first week to 10 days of school. This gives a chance for both of us to address any issues or concerns that the parent may have on their mind. This strategy has always worked well for me and has paid off in big dividends with respect to parent volunteers for the classroom. Without fail, I've had parents year after year tell me that I was the only teacher to have ever done this. Do this and you will really gain parent support. Too often, the only times that parents and teachers ever meet uh, are the day when the child is enrolled at school, if then. Possibly on the first day of school at parent-teacher conferences, which may be called to discuss unpleasant situations, and at parents' nights. There are many ways to get parents more involved in their children's education. Now, which has to be a good thing, right? Invite parents to volunteer to assist in the classroom. Help out on field trips and do presentations to the class about their jobs or interests. Call them up or send them a note when a child has done something outstanding and let them know how proud you are of the child. Do not limit your contacts with parents only to negative circumstances. And here's another tip. Send postcards home before the start of school, if possible. Providing you have your students' names and addresses, you can send out postcards to each family before the start of school. In a short message, you can introduce yourself as you would like to be addressed and say that you cannot wait to meet them. And a note to parents. Consider this. You can and should also write to the parents and request that they personally bring their child on the first day of school so that you can meet them as well. Include in your letter anything that they may need to know or to do, such as plan for how they want their children to return home. Ask if they will volunteer in the classroom or for outside activities. Suggest that they set times and places in their home when and where children can work on homework. Let them know the class dress code and supplies that the students should carry each day. In our school, budgetary constraints are a limitation, so we customarily ask parents to send in supplies like glue sticks, scissors, pens, and pencils, etc. Give parents a phone number, email address, and any URLs if your class uses a website or Facebook page or group. 
Most importantly, let parents and students know that you welcome communications with them and hope that everyone will fully participate in giving the child the best educational opportunities possible. Now I want to go ahead and talk about seating arrangements. One of the most significant ways you can influence your class is how you configure the classroom. Let's talk about seating arrangements, very crucial during those first few days of school. You as the classroom teacher are going to be discussing school-wide rules, classroom rules, and your own set of expectations. Now, in those early days, you do not want a child's back to you, nor do you want to be talking to children with your back to them. There are various ways of successfully arranging students' desks. One such way might be to form semicircles of the desks or place them in a completely semicircle arrangement. You can also have work groups of four or more desks placed together. On the other hand, you could arrange the desks in traditional rows like they were back when we were in elementary school. But be creative. Remember, whatever formation that you use, you want to make sure that every student can see you and vice versa that you can see him or her. Incidentally, I find that stadium seating works extremely well during the critical first days of school. And then after about a week or so, I may reconfigure the classroom to accommodate cooperative learning groups. That is, I group children heterogeneously, preferably in groups of four, not to exceed five. Desks can be placed back to back in groupings throughout the room, or students can circle their chairs in for close work. One issue you will want to decide early on is whether to assign seats. Some teachers still use the old alphabetical order system by first or last name, and that's fine. Assigning seats can be helpful for you to learn students' names quickly and for students to know exactly where to sit each day without question. On the other hand, this can be detrimental to community building and to activities that require a change of configuration. As with all decisions you will make about your classroom, there are pros and cons to consider. Before we talk about dealing with students' stuff, we're going to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Imagine having access to educational products, instructional videos, top-rated teacher podcasts, and articles worth over $1,000 for just pennies a day. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? And you know what the best part is? You get a free seven-day trial to go in look around. So really, what do you have to lose? Check it out. Uh, go to myteachermembership.com. That's myteachermembership.com, and I will be adding more and more products each and every month, and you're going to love being part of this teacher membership community. Okay, let's continue on and talk about stuff. <laughs> Parents understand the problem better than most. They often hear, Mom, Dad, I can't find my shoes, shirt, pants, backpack, hat, pencil, etc. Kids tend to lose things because they may not yet have developed the organizational skills to put things back in the same place every time. Help your students keep their belongings organized by establishing locations for items early on. Put up signs and show students exactly where to store their coats, hats, backpacks, etc., and where to place books, papers, and other items that they will need throughout the school day. Later on in the term, it can be a good lesson in organizational skills to have students discuss and work out how to organize their desks and backpacks so that they always have pencils and other items available when needed. In the 21st century, we teachers also face challenges that our predecessors never dreamed of. Long ago are the days when students were expected to have a slide rule, a compass, and a pencil or a piece of chalk. Nowadays, even the youngest child 
comes to class with smartphones, Game Boys, mini computers, calculators, and other electronic devices. Some bring in pet frogs or snakes or their pet guinea pig or mouse. Worse, in many schools, students have been caught with weapons and drugs. And as teachers, we need to be very aware and monitor the stuff that students bring into the school. Okay, here's another tip. Establish a cell phone policy. Now, your school building may already have a policy established, but if not, you will want to make decisions about how you handle potential distractors like mobile phones. You may need to negotiate this with parents or follow school policies. Some parents wish to be able to be in touch with their child at a moment's notice, so they give them a mobile phone. You, on the other hand, do not want uh, to have telephones ringing or students texting each other with answers to tests. Okay, so your district may have its own policy. Uh, Hours require students to turn off cell phones while in classes. If they ring, teachers are required to take them and turn the phone into the office. One possible solution is to have a cabinet or drawer where phones are placed, perhaps inside a plastic bag with the child's name on it. Tell parents they should only call if it is an emergency and to keep ringing at least 10 times to allow you to locate the phone and answer it. Alternatively, you could simply place all phones and electronic devices in a storage room during class time and return them at the end of the day. Ask parents to call you or the school office directly if they need to speak with their child. And here's another tip, uh, grocery bag storage. You're probably wondering, what in the world is that? Well, prior to the start of school, parents receive a letter requesting that they send in certain items for use in the classroom. Now, as students arrive on the first days of school bringing in these supplies, I have several brown grocery bags labeled by item where the students can drop the supplies into. For example, one bag would be labeled glue, another for notebook paper, another for tissue boxes, others for pencils, scissors, and so on. Assess what you will need and then ask parents to supply them. These bags are only used during the first two to three days of school as children are bringing in these supplies, after which I empty the bags and put them in labeled storage containers so that they are organized. Okay, let's talk about posters, bulletin boards, and word walls. Relevance and grade level appropriateness are two main criteria for choosing items to decorate your classroom. Keep in mind that these items should reflect your curriculum and grade level standards as well. Posters can be very useful to reinforce classroom procedures, positive messages and topic areas. Strong graphics, bright colors, and large clear text help to enliven the room and convey ideas. Bulletin boards. They need to be attractive and serve some kind of purpose. If you have several boards or places on the wall where you can put up posters in the classroom or in a nearby hallway, for that matter, you may want to devote specific areas to a separate topic. For example, announcements, school announcements, homework reminders, upcoming events, and the like. Displays, examples of student work, subject or themes. Uh, encouragement, inspirational boards, or rules and procedures. Now let's talk a moment about word walls. Word walls serve best as reminders. Now here's my thought about word walls, is that they should represent work in progress. By that I mean that the Dolch sight words and or grade level words should only be posted after the children have been introduced to the word, they know what the word is, they have used the word, 
At that point, I think it's appropriate to post it. They should be able to pronounce it, use the word in a sentence, define what the word means to them, illustrate the word, and be able to provide some examples of the use of the word. At this point, the word can then be posted on the word wall. Now, once I've posted the word on my word wall, I expect the students to be able to spell it correctly from that point forward. Now, let's discuss resources for classroom decoration. You know, the Teacher's Mailbox magazine is an excellent resource for a variety of ideas, for posters, bulletin boards, and other materials to enhance the classroom. Also, you have the Scholastic Book Club puts out some very cool ideas. Google these and others for more information and inspiration. In conclusion, by following these tips and strategies that we've shared with you, you will invariably find that the first day of school will go much better and without all the overwhelm, I promise you. Well, this brings us to the end of this episode. I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. And again, uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to these tips and strategies on preparing the classroom prior to the first day of school. When you get a moment, visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and unadvertised free bonuses at Steve's Classroom resources.blogspot.com and don't forget to subscribe to us at the teacher rockstar podcast and if you'd like to support us please feel free to share our podcast with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review that would be super super cool thanks again we'll see you same time same place next week and remember my friend you got this